0: Morning church. And now as we continue this prayer series, we've started to look at the prayer of David and his prayer of Thanksgiving. We started to look at how do we do a prayer of Thanksgiving? How do we start by doing that? And this is a great month to do that in. We talk about the month of November. Do you guys know that November is actually the national month of gratitude? Praise the Lord, right? There's a lot of Things that we can be thankful for. And November makes it easy for us to remember that this is the National Month of Gratitude. November is also the National Banana Pudding Month. (laughs) November is also the Georgia Pecan Month. November is also the National Fun with Fondue Month. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds fun, right? It's also, and this is the favorite one in our house, National. Peanut Butter Lovers Month, right? So there are all sorts of things in November that we can celebrate. Not only do we have the month, but we have special weeks inside of November that we are to give thanks for and that we are to remember. This week right now, starting starting tomorrow, is the time to celebrate Split Pea Soup Month, right? Not month, week. Split Pea Soup only gets a week, right? Also starting next week in November is the National or... It's called National World Kindness, which is kind of weird, but the World Kindness Week starts tomorrow. But following that, which starts on November 20th, is National Bible Week. Right? We celebrate the Bible. So November 20th through 26th is the National Bible Week and a time to celebrate and remember uh, God's Word. Be thankful for that. And not to mention, there's also very special days in November that we are encouraged to be thankful for. Just last week, we had a whole bunch of them. Thursday, November 10th, United States Marine Corps, birthday. Right? So we celebrate that. Right? So, so thank you, Marines. November 11th, Veterans Day. Right? It's for everybody else. I always tell Melissa, the Air Guys were mad, so they created a, another day for the veterans right but that's a day we we celebrate veterans and and thank you to our veterans right thank you to those who serve does anybody know what yesterday was saturday right yesterday was national pizza day with the works except for anchovies real day right praise jesus right That is like, thank you Marines, thank you veterans, thank you Jesus. Pizza and all that good stuff. Anybody know what today is? Today is Sunday. Today is a day that we celebrate and we thank our musicians. Today is National Hug a Musician's Day. Real day. Max, where all of our musicians leave? Hey, we know where they will be after service right here on this stage. National Hug a Musician's Day is today, and then tomorrow, how can we ever forget this one? Tomorrow we celebrate National Pickle Day. (laughs) National Pickle Day, right? November is full of things that we should be thankful for. We could spend all month just thanking God for the things that we are to celebrate and that we are to thank Him for just in the month of November alone, just in the month of November alone. And as we talked about last week, we look at David's prayer of thanksgiving, and before we start to thank God for all the wonderful things that he gives us, things like peanut butter and pecans and pickles, Ben and Jerry, if you are listening, that will be a best seller of ice cream next week, peanut butter, pickles, and pecans, man, and I'm mouth but before, Right? Before we thank God for all of his good things, we need to thank God for who he is, right? That he is good, and that he is great, that he is victorious, and that he is glorious. And that's where we start in our prayers of thanksgiving. We start with who God is. And this week, I hope that you joined us in prayer as a church, as every day we put another attribute, another characteristic of God, and said this is how we're going to start our prayers today and i hope that you were able to do that and i hope you participated with the church family for thanking god for who he is and as we continue with david's prayer of thanksgiving found in first chronicles chapter 29 go ahead and turn your bibles there david moves from thanking god for who he is to thanking god for his generosity david is thanking god for god's generosity We're going to read together. I'm going to start with verse 10 from last week. So 29 verse 10 from last week. It says, Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, O God, and praise your glorious name. And it was that that we looked at last week. It was that portion we looked at last week that we celebrated who God is. And then we move on to verse 14, and we see here, David thanks God for his generosity. David starts by saying this in verse 14. But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. For we are strangers before you, and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is nothing, no abiding O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things, and now I have seen your people, who are present here, offering freely and joyously to you. Dear my Father, we just ask today as we look at your word as we start to look at your teachings that our hearts would be challenged that we would be conformed to your word lord we also pray as we look at your word that we would realize your generosity in each of our lives and the things that you have done and that it would be enough and that you would reveal your grace to us a little bit more this morning as we study your word lord we pray that you would just open our hearts to the, the teaching of your word this morning. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your son's name of Jesus we ask these things. Amen. Parents, as a parent, one of the, the greatest gifts that we've ever gotten is gifts that our kids give us. Right? Not, not the adult kids, the little kids. Right? When little kids, the, the kids that we actually give them money... Maybe tell them what we want. In our case, maybe buy it for ourselves. <laughs> give it to the kids. Usually Melissa wraps it sometimes. Some of the kids wrap it. And then they give it to us. Right? Isn't that one of the best gifts that we see the joy in their heart? That really we know that we could probably get something maybe we wanted more. Maybe something that costs a little bit more, but the joy of getting a gift that our kid wanted to give us, that our child wanted to give us, and seeing the joy on their heart fills the heart of every parent. On Christmas Eve, one of our traditions in our family is to open a gift from a family member. And the best part of that evening for us is when the kids want you to open up their gift. When they start arguing, no, 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 open up mine, no, 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 open up mine. The, like I already said, man, that's true. it is, we already paid for it. We know exactly what it is, right? We wrapped it. But they sit and they, they argue, and they are so excited when mom says, hey, I'm going to open up this gift. I'm going to open up what you have given me. And you see the joy on their face, you see the excitement as you open up a gift that they are giving you. I love all three of our kids. Let me just say that right now. But let me tell you, Max, maybe it's because he's the youngest, but when he, he gets so excited and as he's giving you that gift, he's like, do you like it? Do you like it? Do you, do you love it? Do you, is it? Is it what you asked for? And we can just see the joy in his heart that he gets to give us something. And it's that joy that fills that whole night with joy when we see that generosity. And as we read through David's prayer, that is what we are seeing from David. Right, he is thanking God for his generosity and providing David and providing the rest of the Israelites something to give back to God. And David is saying thank you for, for giving us something and allowing us to give it back to you. This is David, he's king. And with awe and humility, David considers the, the, the immeasurable privilege of being able to offer something, being able to contribute to the God of the universe, being able to give to God who's building this beautiful house of worship. And it's in this prayer that David gives thanks for God, to God, for allowing him to experience the joy of giving, to experience this Joy that he is giving. And during this prayer, he thanks God for two things specifically. The first thing is he thanks God for God's generosity. God didn't just give him a little tick, like token $10 worth of anything, but God overflowed David and the Israelites with generosity. So much so that David couldn't even imagine or or predict how much his kingdom, how much his people, how much God's people were able to provide for God's temple. And David knew that all things come from God, and it's only out of God's abundance that David and his people were even able to give back to God, that his people were even able to give something to God was simply because of God. And then second, David is grateful, he's even overwhelmed that the, the holy, the sovereign, the, the heart-searching God would grant such insignificant, short-lived people the honor, right? the opportunity to to take part in building his glorious home and building his glorious temple, that he would allow them to, to have joy and experience the joy of giving by God giving to them. See, at the height of his power, David acknowledges who they were. In his prayer, he says, for we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. And we see that in this prayer, King David, a, a beloved leader, a, a successful military general, a well-respected king makes this confession that he remains a stranger, that he remains an alien, that his days on earth are, are minor, that they're fleeting, that they're a mist. Now he's comparing himself to God, that there's nothing compared to God Almighty, And David, as king of the Israelites, is completely dependent on God for everything. And we see him acknowledging this. Without God, he has nothing. And by emphasizing the weakness of man, David recognizes the greatness of God. That God can take hopeless, homeless, penniless sojourners and use them to build God's temple to build God's glorious house of worship. And it is this generosity from God that leads David to this prayer, to giving this prayer of thanksgiving. Right, when we understand how God is and who we are, we get a fuller appreciation of God's generosity. It is in his generosity that we begin to experience the grace and mercy of God in our lives And our lives will be forever changed because of it. First century theologian Matthew Poole, he said this. For King James people, you're going to love this. That thou shaltest give us both such riches out of which we should be able to make such an offering. And such a willing and free heart to offer them. Both of which are they gifts and the fruits of thy good grace and mercy to us and that God's generosity are just gifts and grace given to us. And this is exactly what Paul was telling the churches in Corinth, and writing to them, Paul tells them but, that by their generous giving, they would be able to manifest the grace of God in their lives and experience the joy of living in that grace. Just as the Macedonians did, and he uses the Macedonians as, as an example. He writes this in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul writes this, we want you to know brothers about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia for in a severe test of affliction their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. But as you excel in everything, in faith, and speech, and knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich." Church, when, when we look at this, we don't see that God tried to meet some minimum standard. We don't see that God tried to say, hey, I'm only giving a tenth of myself, right? When we read in scriptures, it says, but he gave all of his riches, that he embraced poverty, right? So that we might become rich. And before we start talking about material things, that's not what we're talking about here. It's talking about Jesus gave his life so that we could have abundant life. Jesus gave of himself so that we could live abundantly, his radical act of total self-giving. Right? His, his ja- generosity not only gives us life, but gives us the opportunity to experience the joy of giving. Right? When he gives us life and then he gives in his abundance to us, we get the opportunity to give to others and experience the joy of giving. When we know his grace, we don't look to meet the minimum. Whatever we set that minimum at, 5% or 10%, whatever number we use. When we know the grace of God, we have experienced the joy of giving because of Christ. We don't strive for the minimum. Because we know, we trust that he will overflow us with his grace. And we talk about giving, church, please, this is not a sermon on, on giving money. We're not just talking about financial giving here. The most, precious Jesus that, the most precious gift that Jesus gave us was not a material thing. It was his life. It wasn't riches, and there's, there's no material thing that can match the generosity of Jesus giving his life for each of us. There's no amount of money, there's no boat, there's no car, there's no house that even compares with what Jesus gave us when he went to the cross. Jesus generally provides you with many things. He provides you with money and time and grace and mercy and love and life. And we start looking at those things. The questions we need to ask ourselves is, what do I need to give more out of response to God's grace to me? What do I need to be giving out? What do I need to be more generous with? God was so generous in giving me these things. Maybe he gives you peace. Maybe you can offer some words of encouragement, some life-giving words. Maybe you can comfort somebody going through a hard time. What is something you need to give because God was so generous when he gave it to you? My friend is a a great example of someone who became generous out of an understanding of God's grace in his life. Prior to coming to, to Christ, he would work overtime all the time. As a matter of fact, 50% of his take-home pay was due to overtime. So he doubled his time for overtime. He doubled his, his income by, by working overtime so much. And there was a, a lot of stuff that he wanted to buy, and there was things that he wanted to do, and he tried to buy all of it, and he tried to do all of it. He just needed more money. And then he came to Christ, and lots of, lots of things started to change in his life. One of the things that changed in his life was, I, he didn't want to spend so much time at work. He wanted to spend more time with his family. And so he stopped working overtime. And we're not talking about picking up a shift every now and then. We're talking about cutting his hours in work at half. Right? Significant time. And guess what happens in the work world when you cut your, your hours in half? Guess what else gets cut in half? Your paycheck. But guess What happened? he started giving, something never has he done before in his life, he started giving to kingdom causes, right, he started giving of his time to to kingdom causes, and I'm not just talking about the local church, I'm talking about so many different ministries, I'm talking about so many things that are proclaiming the gospel, everything from schools to, to, to pregnancy clinics to the church, and I remember I sat down with him and I was talking to him, and I said, this wasn't something that he went over a 10 years time frame, this was an immediate, drastic cut. And I sat down and said, like, if you get your income cut in half, just, that kind of affects things in life. Like, how are you able to do this? How are you able to give so much? And he's like, man, God has been so gracious to me. And when I stopped and started praying to God, and I saw God's grace in my life, and I saw all of these things that I had, how could I not give them away? How could I not give because God has blessed me so much? Everything, every single thing that I have in my life is because of God. And He has blessed me abundantly. And so now I, and this is Him speaking, I have the opportunity to use God's things for God's glorification, and that's what I'm going to do. And I talk about somebody who's been changed by the grace of God. But the best the best part. When I got to sit down with him and we get to have these talks and we go to lunch and we talk about this, the best part about this is seeing the joy and the excitement in his face and being able to give back to God. That's what brings him joy is I get God's given me this opportunity to worship him through giving. If we don't desire, right, if we don't desire to respond to God's grace with sacrificial giving then we probably have not yet fully understood the nature of the gospel. We probably don't understand the the grace that God has put into our lives. The answer to our motivation problem of giving is not adherence to a new command. It's not being stuck on a duty. It's not practicing some religious ritual, but it's a fuller knowledge and greater experience of the extravagant, self-giving generosity of Christ. When we talk about giving and our struggle with that, we have to go back to the, the beginning. We have to go back to our hearts and ask ourselves do we understand the grace of God and what He has done in our lives? If we understand that all that we have is a direct result of what Christ has given us, we will be moved to give out of His abundance. We don't look at ourselves, we look at Him. We'll be moved to give out of his abundance. We'll be moved to carry others' burdens and to minister to others and to care for others and to encourage others and speak words of life to others and to comfort others and to cry with others and to serve others and be patient with others. We will love one another just as Christ has loved us. We will be able to give of ourselves just as Christ has given to us. And all of these things we do unto Christ for it is because of him that we are able to do any of it. It's because of Him that we are able to give anything to anybody is because of what He has given us. Church, we, we can give because of what Christ has already given us. Right? It doesn't matter. Like, giving is not about trying to get more. And you've heard this before, and people talk about this, and people preach about this. You give me $10, I will bless it, and God will give you a hundred. That's not why we give. That doesn't even match Bible or scripture. We don't give for that. We give out of being grateful for what God has already given us. Right? Christ already went to the, Christ, to the cross. We don't have to say, hey, God, you didn't do enough. So here's 10 bucks, work some magic, and maybe you can give me 100. That's not what it's about. Right? When we give, we are saying, oh my gosh, God, you've given me life. You've given me so much. And now I have the opportunity to give because of everything that you have already done in my life. There's a a Hebrew word, it's it's day in you. And what it means is, it would have been enough. And it speaks to the overabundance of God's generosity time and time and time again in our lives. And as the Hebrews remember what God has done during the Passover, right? they would say this, they would say day in you. And maybe as a family gathered, the the father would say, remember he, he rescued us from slavery when we were in Egypt. And the people would gather and they would respond, you. even if he does nothing else in our lives, the fact that he did that was enough. And then he would say, oh, he protected us from the Egyptians. Remember, he parted the seas and and we were able to go across and the Egyptians, well, they weren't. And the people would respond, you. right? Okay, okay, there's something else. Even if he never does anything else in our lives, the fact that he saved us and he protected us, man, that's enough, what else can we ask for? And then they go on again, right? And, and the father would read, he came to us. Remember, he came to us in the law. He came to us in the, in the, 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 the tent that they built, the, the tabernacle. It's been a long day. <laughs> tabernacle, right? He came to the law in the temple, the tabernacle, right? And, and he, the, the father would say this to the family, and the family would respond, Day in you, right? That was enough. Even if he never does anything else in our life, that was enough. Each of those things would have been enough, but God in his generosity gives us more and gives us more and gives us more. And I heard another pastor who used this word, but he didn't translate it like the Hebrew dictionary. Right? His translation was this, thank you God for overdoing it. Right? Thank you, God. So we talk about what God has done in our lives and how he has saved us, how he has given us his, his life for us. And we say to you, thank you for overdoing it. Right? And everything that you have given to us, thank you for overdoing it. Church, when was the last time that you stopped and thanked God for everything that he has given you? You, you couldn't do that. You couldn't stop and thank God for everything that he has given you. You would die. You would be in heaven before you finished. But what are your prayers? As you look at your prayers, are your prayers filled more time spent on what you want or what you need? Than they are spent on thanking God for all of the things that he has given you. For how generous that he has already been to you. I tell you, when we start praying like that, we will see... that that, that our lives are changed, right? When we start thanking God for and being grateful for all of God's generosity, not only do our prayers change, but our lives change. We start to have a life of contentment. And we start to realize that when we start thanking God for all of the things that he's given, if we're being honest with ourselves, we'll find that God has, has overdone it, that God has given us way, way more than we ever deserved when we start thinking about it. And so when we start thinking about our self-entitlements, we start thinking about all the things that God deserves to do for us. We need to go back to our prayer life, right? When, when we're not living contently, when we're living self-entitled, or when we're, we're mad at God because he hasn't given us enough, let me tell you, just go back to your prayer life. What are your prayers? What do they look like? Have you been spending time thanking God for his generosity in your life? Do you go back and when you look at your prayers, do you see you're not, you don't have time to thank God for his generosity because all you've got to do is tell him all the things he needs to do more for you. Let's go back and look at your prayer life. I always hear people try to explain that they would give more, right? I'm talking about time. I'm talking about money. I'm talking about their resources. I'm talking about they give more to themselves. And they always say, if I just had more, right? If I just have more, I will give more study after study after study, not to mention just real life, has demonstrated something to me. If you don't give now, you're not going to give when you get more. Right? If you don't give now, you're not going to give when you get more. If you're not grateful for what you have now, you're not going to be grateful for when God gives you more. If that's not, it's not a, a giving issue, it's a heart issue. And when we look at um, the Great Recession, we saw that the average christian family that went to church they gave 3.3 percent a month and then in 2000 what was it nine at the, at the height of the great um surplus what was it when everybody had money when houses were going for seven million dollars and all that good stuff right when money was flowing we saw that the average christian gave 2.1 percent right it's not a money issue This is a hard issue, and are we grateful for the things that God has given to us? Right, if we're waiting for God to give us more, right, if we're saying, God, I've earned this, God, I'm a really good person, I've done this for you, then we don't understand the grace of God. We don't know who God is, and we don't know what God has done for us. We haven't truly experienced God's grace and mercy in our lives today, if he never gives you another thing in your life, with your heart, can you say, Daniel, can you say that everything he has given me is already enough? God, you have already overdid it in showing me generosity. And I am so thankful for everything that you have given me. David, David was. In this prayer, we hear David's gratitude for what God has given them. If you go back and read the chronicler, he has provided so much detail about the things that David and the people have gathered for the temple. David gave these lavish offerings of his own personal funds, and his example, his leadership, his attitude prompted the people to make similar offerings, encouraged them to give. And we look in David's final words in he gives all of the glory to God for everything that he gave. God, we can't, we can't give anything without you. Everything that we gave was because of you. David and the people, they knew that everything that they had was because of God. David may be a king, but he and the, the people, they have no more status than strangers and sojourners. Sojourners. That they have nothing. They're people who have no property and they're people who just live on the generosity of others. And, And David is saying here we are strangers and sojourners and we live solely on the generosity of God. The king of Israel. I live by nothing else but because of the generosity of God. And he gladly acknowledged that everything that the people possessed came from God. And then making these offerings, the Israelites are only giving back to God what God had already given them. These weren't things that they earned. These weren't things that they did. These were gifts that God gave to them, and now they are giving them back. And the people celebrated. All right, it says the people were joyful. This brought this joyful response from the people. And it actually brought David to say this prayer that we're reading. It was this heart that was overfilled with the joy of giving that leads to David writing this prayer of thanks, this prayer of thanksgiving. They had given joyfully and willingly, and David prayed that they would be able to maintain such devotion to God always. That they would maintain this devotion. David is saying here giving is an act of worship. This is a, a worship to our God. This is an act of Worship and this act of worship when we are worshiping God, when we are glorifying God, when we are honoring God brings joy to our lives. And this is what we were designed to do. We were designed to glorify God, we were designed to worship God. Giving is not a religious ritual that is done out of obligation. It's not something we do because somebody told us we had to. It's not something we do to try to earn favor. It's none of that. It's not an obligation, it's an act of worship. Right? It's a privilege to give to God. And when it's done by the, the, the congregation, we rejoice. We rejoice. There was things when we sat here and gave money uh, to the end of your giving, and we said, hey, we get to plant or buy a church building, rent the space for a church in the Philippines. And I said, hey, church, you guys gave us money, and we got to do this for Lido and Rosemary. What did we do? We clapped. Right? We worshiped. When we said, hey, church, we're going to plan to do a three months of take care of this uh, 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 lady at a maternity home who was kicked out of her house. She's homeless. She's having a kid. We're going to try for three months. What did the church do? They gave enough money for the entire pregnancy, and we worshiped, right? And we we thanked God for his provision. When we said, hey, God, we want to give money to to open arms, but we have these milestones, and, and we've already decided that we're going to give this money to something else, Well, God gave us above and beyond so we could give money to open arms. And as a church, at the opportunity to give, we worshiped. But for honest, sometimes it's tough, right? Sometimes maybe our hearts aren't always in the right spot. Sometimes when we don't give out of worship, we give out of uh, a duty, it often leads to regret. Regret we gave too much or regret we gave too little, right? But when we're trying to meet a duty and we're not doing it out of worship, things don't go right. It's not a dollar amount that God's concerned about, right? Everything you have is because of God. He doesn't need anything. He just wants your hearts. That's all he wants, and it's tough. This week, I was just, I was actually just speaking to a friend, he was a member of this church who had moved, but he was questioning his own motives for giving, he was really struggling with giving. He said, God knows my heart, but I'm not sure I know my heart. Right? He was questioning why he was giving or wasn't giving. The motives were right for that or were they wrong for that. He didn't know. And what was really interesting is I was reading the passage for this sermon. I was studying for this sermon when he called and I answered it and I didn't know we were going to have a deep theological conversation. I thought it was just going to be a, hey, what's up, man? But here's the fact is that God tests our hearts. Scripture tells us God tests our hearts and he knows the genuine willingness of the people. And here it's David and the Israelites and he knows your reason for giving. And the fact that he knows our hearts should not lead us to be fearful or the opposite of being fearful, self-congratulatory, that hey, I gave this much, look at me, I'm great. That's not why we do it. But when we know that God judged on our hearts, it instead becomes the foundation for us to give thanks that God might enable our purposes and our thoughts of worship and giving. Right, that he would continue to see our act of giving as a, a worship to him. And it's by his grace, it's by his generosity that we would be able to continue to give. See, the, the call to obey is tiered with God's enabling. Right, With God providing for us, every, every intention and thought of our hearts may be evil, but by God's grace and in prayer, they can become pleasing to God. By grace and by prayer, our acts can become pleasing to God. This is the truth about giving. This is not about you giving to give back in material goods. The truth is is that you find joy in giving of money, you find joy in giving of your time, you find joy of giving to yourself, you find joy in doing what you were created to do. And when we do those things with a heart that is seeking to glorify God, we are filled with joy. So, church, when we look at our prayers of thanksgiving, sometimes we ask, Well, I don't have anything to be thankful for. We don't know the grace of Jesus. When we look, maybe we have our token things that we say we're thankful for. Oh, I'm thankful for my family or my car. I'm thankful for this. And then we move on without thinking about what God has done in our lives. Right? Or we move on because, well, we've got to get to our demands. All right, God, hey, thanks for all that stuff. and Let me tell you what you forgot and let me tell you what I need. Are you going to go before God saying, God, I I wish I could do more for you, but you haven't given me anything. God, I wish I could do more for you, but you haven't given me enough money, you haven't given me enough skills, you haven't given me enough abilities, you haven't given me any gifts, so guess what, I can't do anything for you. There's nothing I can do for you because you have given me zero. Or when you go to prayer, are your hearts filled with a heart of gratitude? Right, expressing day in you, expressing that everything you have Everything that God has given you, if he doesn't give you anything else, he's given you enough. If he hasn't given you anything else, he has been more than generous in what he has already given you. Everything that you have, he's given you so much more than you deserve. And when you go to prayer, do you reflect that? Church, I want to encourage you to be filled with the joy of the little child on Christmas morning. Right, the little child who takes that gift that he received from his parents to give back to his parents. Right, and his heart is filled with joy that you would be that child. That as you give of yourself, if you give of who you are, as you give back, it's an act of worship. And as you give it, you go to God and say, did you like it? God, did you love it? I'm so grateful I was able to to give this to you. Is that what you want? And my my heart's desire is to make you happy. My heart's desire is to, to give you Joy. Look at what else I got for you, God. Look what else I got for you, Daddy. Knowing that all of the things that you are giving him came from you, from him. Church this week, I want you to experience the joy of giving. However, however God leads you to do that, whatever that looks like. And as you go to God in prayer this week, I want you to remember day in you. I want you to remember that all that He has given to you is already enough. I want you to go to him and day in you and remember that he has already overgiven you. He's already over-doing it in the things that he has given to you. And this week, just follow David's example as you pray and you thank God for the joy that he allows you to have by the giving of the things that he has already given you. Right, that you thank God for giving you the joy of giving, not your things away. Of giving His things away, of the things that He has already given you. This is proper stewardship of God's resources. Dear Heavenly Father, we we just start by asking for forgiveness. I know, Lord, that there is too many times that we go before you. We don't remember who you are, and we don't remember the things that you've already done for us. The only thing on our minds are the things that we think you owe us, or the things that you need to do us, and we just ask forgiveness as we come before you this morning. Lord, we are so grateful for every single thing that you have given us. Lord, we are so thankful For the things that you have given this church that we have been able to reach different parts, not only of our city, but of the world for your glory. And we are so grateful for everything that you have given us that we have been able to give back to you. Lord, we pray that our work here, we pray that the things that we do here would do nothing else than glorify your name. Lord, we pray that the things that we have and the things that you have given us, we use simply for your glory. Lord, you have blessed each of us, and you have blessed this church in countless ways. and Lord, we thank you and day in you. We love you and we thank you. Lord, this week, allow us to experience the joy of giving your stuff to glorify your name. Lord, we love you and we thank you.